Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you are all giving yourself a pat on the back for making it to the end of the year. (laughs) It has been a wild year on every front, and if you are still tuning into this podcast, if you are still making time for yourself on a week-to-week basis or a day-to-day basis, on any basis, to connect back with what's truly important in your heart, then you should be incredibly proud of yourself because this year has pushed all of us to new levels of, certainly pushed me to seek new levels of self-care and new levels of connectedness with what is in myself. And I'm super excited to be introducing uh, my new friend, Mr. Tully O'Connor, for this week because we talk about a topic that I think is one of the most important topics that anybody can really master in order to dance with the tumultuousness of reality in this moment or really anything that we happen in our lives. So just to give you a little bit of background on Tully, Tully is such an incredible human being. So he started his career as a physiotherapist in 2011 and has spent the last decade exploring human movement, NLP, leadership development, Tantra, depth psychology, and really driven to gain a deep understanding of how our unconscious emotional patterns drive our behavior and impact our well-being. And he's really passionate about helping men develop more depth, live a life of purpose, and create rich, connected relationships through his coaching programs and retreats. And he also has a course called the Ignite Couples Course with his wife, Caitlin, to help men live more rich, connected, intentional lives in their relationships. So one of the key themes that keeps coming back when it comes to how do you live a fulfilling life? How do you experience more richness in life? It's not about doing more or being anywhere. It truly is about being present with what is. And presence is one of those ideas that I've truly had to learn how to be with over the course of the last six months. And one of the ways that we, I really learned how to be comfortable being present with the uncomfortable emotions is by mastering, or not mastering, but pursuing the mastery of presence. Presence is nothing but just being with what is. It is, if you have an uncomfortable emotion show up, it's not running to the alcohol, it's not going to the gym, it's not feeding something in yourself to get yourself out. It's about going deeper into your body, noticing where those pain points are showing up, feeling it with everything in you so that you can allow your body to be the wonderful tool that it is for alchemizing pain and experiencing richness in this game we call life. And we talk a lot about you know, why presence is such an important skill to cultivate and how to do that what embodiment work is and what tools are available to help us navigate this, you know, embodiment. And I'll talk a lot about what embodiment work is on the podcast, um, how to create a sense of safety in your body, how to crack your, your emotions up. Like if you're somebody who's traditionally not a feeling type, how do you get into your body and into your feelings? We talk a lot about fear and vulnerability and, and oh my gosh, it was such a rich conversation with just an awesome human being that I'm so grateful you all get to experience in this medium. 
I, I, I'm so grateful for the privilege of being able to meet individuals like these and learn from them. And I'm just excited for you to also do the same. So enjoy this episode. This one was a really fun one for me to record. And I just can't wait for you guys to enjoy it too. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on any of the uh, iPhone apps or any of the Spotify apps, anything that you use to tune into the podcast. All that means is every single time I record a new episode, whether it's a guest episode or solo ones, which I plan on releasing more of, going into 2021 it'll drop straight into your uh into your phone so that you can you can listen to it whenever they're there and um i hope this episode really 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 allows you to find the courage to be present inside of all the chaos you know i had i heard a really fun quote the other day and it was chaos is nothing but a ladder and the only way we can actually treat it like a ladder is if we allow ourselves to see this to see the steps and allow ourselves to become familiar with what is in the moment and when we can have the courage to be with what is in the moment, there's nothing that can stop us. We lose the fear of feeling and when you lose the fear of feeling. You can dance in any type of storm that the world throws at you. So uh, enjoy this episode. Um, can't wait to hear your feedback. And without further ado, here is my main man, Mr. Tully O'Connor. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, everyone, to... This week's episode of Stay Grounded. You guys are in for a treat. Uh, what's up, Mr. Tully? How you doing over there? Yeah, good, my man. Good. Just uh, kookaburras are chirping outside. The day's just getting started here. So, uh, yeah. yeah, man, I'm good. I'm, I'm so excited, brother. Uh, we were saying this earlier, but I usually try not to jump on the podcast without meeting somebody ahead of time. But you were one of those individuals where I just kind of, I felt like, there was no intro necessary. Like it was, it was going to be two brothers just walking down the path, sharing, sharing a few war stories here and there and, and taking it from there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you, man. Yeah. But I wanted to uh, start and set some context for this conversation. One of the things that you mentioned earlier uh, when we were chatting was the, the idea of presence, the role that presence can play in really creating a life of fulfillment, a life of richness, a life of more depth. So can we just for starters, define presence? Like what, what do you define presence to be? And why do you think presence is such an important part of truly living a fulfilling life? Such a good question, man. A good place to, to kick off. I guess how I would define it, I would define presence as the ability to be with what is because I feel like so much suffering in life comes from resistance to what is. We've got pain, like we've got what's happening, and then we've got the resistance to what's happening. The resistance is often what causes the suffering. So being able to cultivate presence and the ability to just be with what is, that to me is like, like we were saying, it's like kind of like when you can master that art, and it's an evolving thing obviously, but in a world that, is being designed to distract us from ourselves. It's like it's a revolutionary act to develop presence with ourselves, with the ones that we love. It's it's like quite a profound revolutionary act, I believe. And it's a spiritual journey too. I mean, being with what is doesn't always feel great. <laughs> so, right? Like, I mean, being with the truth of life, the truth of your actions and your choices, I mean, developing that, is really truly a spiritual path. So what is the, like, why? If it's, if it's prickly, if it's, if it's scary, if it's something that's uncomfortable, 
why should that be a North Star as something to truly develop? Yeah, it's such a good question because, like you say, when you start aiming towards more presence, it's like initially it's super uncomfortable. You've got a racing mind and then when you do the work to start dropping into your body like we are kind of chatting about before, it's like, oh, this is, this is not nice. Like there's a reason we distract and, and move away from presence and initially yeah. it starts off as a coping mechanism that is adaptive. Do you know what I mean? It serves a purpose early on, but then we just develop this habit of not being able to come back and then it becomes maladaptive. And so why do it? It's just everything we want is on the other side of it. Mm. That sense of peace, that sense of fulfillment, that like connection in relationships, like all of the things that contribute to a fulfilling life that we all desire at an innate level is on the other side of presence and requires that. And it's one of those things that I feel like there's a lot of resistance to the kind of this kind of work because until you felt the other side, it's a lot of trust <laughs> because you're like, right now this sucks, so I'm really trusting <laughs> that on the other side of it, it's going to be quote-unquote worth it, right? And that comes down to like, and I'm sure you have as well, but like really good mentorship and people to sort of guide you through that because doing I don't think it's something that can really be done alone. I think especially the embodied work, the somatic work, like that can't be done on your own. It takes a certain level of, like, like I've always believed that when you lose the fear of feeling, you are free. Presence allows you to develop the skill set of truly feeling what's there. Mm-hmm. So if life throws something crazy at you and you have a crazy emotion come up, being able to be present in that, not go to alcohol, not go to sex, not go to anything outside of you, being able to truly be with the the emotion in your body allows, I think, at least for me in my journey, true personal transformation. Because, yeah. you know, like if you experience a failure, let's say something happens and if you experience a failure and you're and the fears show up about being seen as a failure, being seen as somebody who may not be the best, like all the insecurities and like when when you can learn to be with that, you just deepen another layer of these untruths, if you would, that you learned along the way that you weren't enough, that your existence needs to be justified in a bigger or stronger or badder way. And it's it's almost it is truly the playground for for becoming your most authentic self. And, and and I think I'm with you, man. Like you can't do that on your own. Like I I mean this year, this year truly like after my my breakup. I had to find a men's like a like a like a mentor who could teach me how to be with the uncomfortable prickly resentment, the shame, the guilt. I mean, I really wish they taught children how to feel that stuff in schools. Like I mean, oh it, man. Could you imagine? Yeah. It's just we're undoing and and we're the the generation that is gifted the role of transmuting it for ourselves so then we can lead the way for the next generation because fundamentally it's all built on a story. Like we're trained to not feel. We're rewarded for not feeling as men. Mm. It's that the story, the resistance to feeling and to opening up to this work is so deep. There's so much resistance and that's why it's not often men really gravitate to it until there's a bad breakup, until there's a business loss, until there's something gnarly and you're like, oh, shit, like 
Yeah, my hands are in the air. Like I've got to, I've got to do something. I can't keep doing what I'm doing. And because we're resilient, do you know what I mean? Like we can keep going. We can be like that hurts. I'm just going to put it, stuff it down there in the briefcase with all the other hurt that I've got, and I'm going to keep on keeping on. Like we can do that as men, but it gets to the point where that briefcase gets too heavy, and it's like we've just got to put it down and be with what is. And Fortunately or not, it's just the way it is most of the time in my experience is that men, we won't look at that until we get slapped in the face or punched in the gut with something. Humbled, humbled, yeah. by, humbled by life and life yeah. in its most beautiful, chaotic yeah. way, right? I mean, like life is a bitch and she's beautiful. Like it's, it's yeah. the whole thing. Like, and it's, it's actually fascinating. You said like heartbreak. I, I actually at least for me, like I, I had to go through that in order to be even pushed to a level where I wanted to harmonize and feel mm. and get to that place where this work was so important. That had to be the breaking point. It couldn't have been. Yeah. And, and I think that it's weird how this year, especially with COVID and like the sort of collective transformative year of vortex, if you would, of like <laughs> everybody facing the suck it has forced these the need to almost harmonize with what is. 100%, man. Couldn't agree more. And, yeah, it's just bringing up the shadows. It's like any system put in isolation increases its entropy, which is like it's chaos. That's why if we're isolated, like it's the worst thing you can do to a human is put them in isolation. And we've all kind of experienced that to some degree. So entropy or chaos goes up internally. And people, and I saw this in relationships, like I was saying before we jumped on, a lot of my work is working with couples in their relationships. Me and my wife work together in that. And this year, there was a 400% increase in the demand for our couples course. It's, I believe, because all this stuff is coming up. We're chugging along, distracted by life. That's all happening. And then all of a sudden, we're just collectively slapped in the face with like, whoa, all of this stuff comes to the surface. Neither of us have the skills to navigate it. So it's like, what, what do we do? And it's either, I feel like we're kind of picking, we're either humbling ourselves and being like, shit, I need some help. I didn't have life sorted to the extent I thought I did. Or people double down on their addictions, double down on the alcohol, double down on the pain because it's not quite enough yet. Do you know what I mean? So it's... Right. I think it's been a beautiful invitation for us to wake up a little bit. What was your breaking point? Like what made you actually truly want to start taking the charge to, to, to begin mm. developing presence with what is? Yeah, it was interesting because I started reflecting on that just a little bit when you mentioned your, like the heartbreak was the point where you were like, okay, yeah. And because I've been through that experience, but I'd already started doing the work prior to that, which was amazing because I had the skills to be able to be with that in a really healthy way when it happened. But for me, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a gradual thing. It was through relationship and a relationship breakdown, but it wasn't a separation. So there was a relationship breakdown. I'll tell you the story actually. It was, I'd been doing a lot of personal development work, leadership stuff, mindset stuff, the NLP, that kind of realm of, of work, a lot of the head stuff, which, hey, it serves a purpose, it's got its place, it's just incomplete. And then the partner I was with, we were having some issues, there was some relationship breakdown 
and she'd started seeing this this lady had done a couple of sessions with her and she was like I'm going to this retreat this this yeah this weekend retreat and I was like all right I'll just go not knowing what it was not knowing who this lady was it was kind of a just a hail mary I, I just felt I was like I need to go to this if if we're going to make it out the other side and it ended up being a two-and-a-half-day Tantra retreat called The Juicy Life. And I was just like, whoa, didn't know anything about Tantra. I thought it was just about orgies and wild sex. So I was like, holy wow, what am I in for here? But that weekend was was pivotal because the teacher was actually did a lot of debt psychology stuff, a lot of embodiment stuff. So it was the first time in my life that I tapped into anger and a lot of other emotion and owned emotion because before I was Mr. Nice Guy, people used to call me Switzerland. I could, I was the mediator, never got angry, but deep down there was some deep rage, some deep anger that I just, it wasn't stuff that would come up and then I would suppress it. It was stuff I didn't even know was there. Like I I asked to sit out of one of the exercises because I thought I didn't need it was about accessing anger and I was like, I don't actually have any anger, so I'm probably good on this one. And then sure enough, I had a bit of anger in there. Right. And so it wasn't so much a slap in the face relationship ending, but it was relationship tension that brought me into this kind of work. And then I started like that weekend opened. I was like, that's what the personal development world is missing. That's what I've been missing as a man. That's like yeah, this is, this is where the work is. So I dove deep into that for a couple of years and worked really closely one-to-one with, with this mentor and it just transformed my life. And then there was the, the next pivotal part was when that relationship actually did come to an end and actually the heartbreak was, was there. But being able to feel my way through that heartbreak rather than like numb and distract from it, that was the most life transform- transformational thing that I've ever done and felt for the first time a sense of true peace, a sense of true freedom that, oh, I don't need anything outside. It was quite a, like I've never done psychedelics or anything, but it was quite a very spiritual experience connection with little taste of what oneness feels like kind of. And that was just from diving deep into the grief and really going there. It's been just such a crazy year for me. The breakup. And I had my grandmother and my aunt pass away two weeks, like apart from each other, just all these changes, like just in my life, all happening all at once. And, and I really appreciate what you said about, you know, there's really two realms of personal development. One is the mind, which is where people usually start. It's the, it's the learning, the skills, the mindset, the kind of the rewiring of the subconscious, if you would, in some ways. And then the, the layer that I was forced into by life this year was the mm. embodiment piece, which is life is going to give me this extremely difficult situation that I can't really run from. I can only be with and I can mm-hmm. feel through and I can go deeper and lose that fear. And you said oneness, which is a really interesting kind of idea for me, because I think that underneath all of the, the emotions the the waves of the ocean you would is a, is an everlasting space of of peace that peace that source of love that oneness the consciousness whatever we want to call it that's the undercurrent of our human experience like that's true fulfillment like mm-hmm. like it's not something outside of you even the 
the the feelings like we're the feelings are just part of life like the attachment to the stories or the, or the stories attached to the feelings are the things that actually keep us out of our body and out yeah. of that 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 truth and that safety and it, it has been the most transformed embodiment work can we yeah. just can you just describe i guess for anybody listening like what is embodiment work I, I, mm. and and what are some of the the tools available to yeah us that may differ from some of the, the, the heady mindset work and, and how can they both play together uh, so that we can really integrate our minds and our hearts and our bodies to truly be whole human beings. Yeah. And that's, that's the ticket right there, that integration, because just like I said, the, the mindset, personal development, like that stuff is incomplete. So it is, is just embodiment work. On yeah. its own, that's incomplete. And I saw both worlds separated and I was like, oh, all the mindset people, like they're kind of going around in circles. I was kind of in that world for a couple of years. I'm like, you guys aren't really like, I can't see much evolution. We're saying cool things and like, you know, and it feels good, but like, but there's not much changing. And then I saw the same thing in with the embodiment work. I'm like, we're kind of just cycling. Like you were like, we we're complaining about that same problem 18 months ago. Like, and so that's when I was like, oh, it's, it's the, the merging of the two is where progress and evolution is going to happen. But to answer your question, embodiment work is just tapping back into the wisdom of the body. Well, this is how I, I see it anyway. There's probably lots of different ways um, you could talk about it. But it's tapping back into the wisdom of the body because the body keeps the score. Yeah. So have you, have, you, have you read that book, The Body Keeps the Score? I, I know uh, you're like the sixth person to suggest it, and I know the general idea of it. Yeah. But please, please continue. Yeah, yeah. So it's the idea that, that we have events, whether you want to call it trauma, you can have like big T trauma, that's like abuse, all these kinds of things that are the extremely traumatic events, and you can have little T trauma, like little just traumatic things that are like that happen that cause the fight or flight response in our body as a kid that doesn't integrate properly. And then so we carry that with us. We just store that. A lot of that we store in our body and in our physiology. So a lot of us are walking around carrying stress, tension from old experiences that is keeping us, a lot of time keeping us in our head because of the stress it places on our physiology. So if we're in the stress response, which a lot of us are, then we can't not see the world as opposition, as separation, as me versus you, as, as react. And it's very hard to come back into our body when we're doing that. So the first step really is recognizing that. And, and in terms of tools, the biggest one is just the breath. Mm. And then my background before I started all this work was working as a physiotherapist. So physical therapist for the North Americans, that, that's the, the, the same thing, different, different label. And so part of what I would do would be assessing people's breathing patterns. And I could probably count on two hands in my career of doing that for five years, how many people had a relaxed, normal, basal breathing pattern without any prompting. We don't breathe properly. We're not actually in our bodies mm. properly. And then in and amongst that is all of the suppressed emotion, suppressed anger, suppressed all of the emotions that society has deemed as bad, as not good, all the, the undesirable ones, the sadness, the grief, the anger, the rage. We learn early on to be a good boy or a good girl 
you don't do that, you don't show that. So things would pop up where we might want to feel and express something and we don't, we stifle it down, we stifle it down, we stifle it down. And embodiment work is about just tapping back into and acknowledging and letting yourself express through breath, movement and sound what's actually there. And then that creates the space for presence because if you haven't allowed that to move through your body, then when you try to drop in and be present with your body, it's all there. Do you know what I mean? So we're like, oh, fuck, like, fuck at that. Oh, I'm back up into my head. So, yeah, that's a, a little bit of a, a rant on it, but um, that's that's my, my kind of take on it. I would add another tool. I mean, I, I have I have dabbled with plant medicines and yeah. more, so, more so this year really kind of exploring how they can connect me back with my body. It's been really fascinating. I used to try meditating all the time but I would always get distracted. I could never sit still. I would always want to like, like it was just like, it was always on. And I was, it was always like a chore. Meditation felt like a chore. And yeah. it wasn't until I started embodiment work, like doing more breath work, doing really exploring the plant medicines, really kind of connecting back with my body and letting go of things that aren't mine and really having those cathartic releases with mm. either stories or realizations or like even compassion and forgiveness work. I mean, oh my gosh, like that whole line of work, being able to have those types of relationships, like rewriting stories around my family and my parents, old subconscious beliefs that were just running in the background, like being able to have those bodily felt visceral changes. I, I still remember it was, in, it was in August. I was working with one of my coaches and we had kind of had this crazy felt experience where I had let go of something that was holding on to me in a really big way. Like it was just a huge, like I forgave somebody in my life. And I remember the next day for the first time I sat down to meditate and I could sit there for like 40 something minutes without, without like it was, and that was actually one of the most enjoyable things. Like I actually enjoyed it because, and it makes sense. Like when there's stuff in your body, that's, that's suppressed, that's, that's out of alignment. Like, it makes sense that you can't sit still. It makes complete sense. 100%. Like, when you have stuff that's in you that's not yours, or it wasn't there by choice, or it's not natural, I mean, completely. And, and it makes so much sense. And I, I just remember that, that being such a huge breakthrough for me and realizing, like, how important it was to feel like I belong to my own body. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. It is a belonging. Like that's that's how it felt for me at least. Like I felt mm. like I belonged for the first time in my life to this thing that I am inhabiting. And feel safe in it. It's like so many of us don't feel safe in our body. No. And it's like if you don't feel safe in your body, like what chance do we have of loving connected relationships? What chance do we have? Like, because we're not safe. The first rule of healing is safety. Like no safety, no healing straight up so creating that's why again i don't think we can do it on our own because we need a person or people to create that safety sort of for us while we're doing this work initially and then we can get to the point where you can hold ourselves through processes and all that kind of stuff but initially yeah it requires that that safety cultivated for us and then once you feel safe in your body it's like it's a pretty fun place to hang out like i'm the same i tried 
I knew about the benefits of meditation for about three years before I could actually sit down and meditate. And it wasn't right. lack of trying. It was just like, this sucks. As well. I'd rather go for a run. Just the pragmatic side of me was like, I feel better after doing lots of different things, stretching, running, whatever, than meditating. So I was like, that's not an effective use of my time. Right, <laughs> but yes. then after doing, after doing, and it probably, you know, and I probably could have sat through it and, you know, whatever, but breath work for me, game changer, and then that cathartic release embodiment work. And now I'm like, just give me that chance. Give me that, even if it's 10 minutes to just sit, it's like, it's peace. It's peaceful. And me, me personally, that's, that's what I crave. I know there's probably so many individuals who are listening right now that like the idea of sitting with themselves is terrifying. So how can one begin the journey of embodiment work to, to really truly feel safe? And, and what does safety feel like? Like, can you describe what safety in your body actually feels like? It feels like light and spacious. I feel like the easiest analogy would be like contraction and expansion. Safety feels expansive to me, whereas a lot of the time, and you can feel it like if people just check in, like is your jaw tight? Are your pecs tight? Like is there tension in, in your body? Are you, do you feel contracted? But also unless you've had an experience of the opposite, it's very hard to know. So many guys, like when I start working with them, they're like, no, I don't feel too tight. I'm good. Yeah, I'm all right. And then they go through a breathwork experience or a cathartic release and they're like, oh, my God, I was so I was carrying so much tension. I was so contracted in my gut, in my diaphragm, in all of it. So it's one of those things it's hard to speak to. It needs to be experienced. It needs to be felt. Like that's the, that's the kicker. <laughs> but to start with, to go back to like, Breathing and just just some basic breath work, like even the Wim Hof stuff. Even there's a group called Awaken Breath Work that have like just a little daily five minute basic breath work thing that you can start with. Start deepening, and then the other thing that I find is actually a really good gateway for people is to start to journal, start yes. to write. And even though it's like it might feel like that's a heady exercise, it's not. It, it can be a form of catharsis. Oh my gosh. I, I, we just recorded an episode on my journaling practices. And as we were recording it, like I didn't even realize, like as we were recording it, I started sharing what I was doing. And then I realized that one of the reasons why journaling has been such a profound experience for me is because the way I was taught journaling in the beginning was to start journaling with gratitude. So starting with like writing down 10 to 15 things you're grateful for, which almost floods the writing with an emotion like you're 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 connected and then when you feel the emotion you're actually kind of tricking yourself into word vomiting all of these things that are stored and you're connecting dots and you're having that that visceral experience which is truly like the cornerstone of embodiment it's that visceral sort of like like yeah. you feel like I remember the first time I did breath work I didn't know what to expect and after I did a breathwork session, I mean, I was like journaling for like three, I had like three pages worth of yes. like journaling notes. Like it had just woken up all of these suppressed yeah. memories, like these mm -hmm. thoughts, these feelings, these ideas that I, I had just never, I, I didn't know I had in me. It's liberating to know that we can access all of that 
with stuff like your breath. Like that's, that's actually. It's wild, man. It's, it's <laughs> right. It's so wild. Like it's free. I mean, to learn, you're probably going to have to invest in the service. Right, and all right, that. Right, but right, like right. once you've got the practice, it's like, it's, it's your breath and it makes it so. And like, I haven't had an experience with plant medicine. Like I feel called to, to definitely um, work with it in some capacity, but yeah. it's very, whenever there's anything outside of us going in, it's very easy to put our power in that thing, even though it's a way healthier thing. Do you know what I mean? And it's a very, like, it is nature. But if we're not recognizing and we're not connecting, like, okay, that's part of me. Like, do you know, it's a tool so I can have the experience, like the consciousness we approach those experiences with, I think is extremely important. But the breath, it's like, it's all you. It's you and you. And that there's something about that that is extremely empowering extremely like you say it wakes something up in you and with the journaling practice like you say it's flooding it with emotion but it's also i find a really simple way of creating some safety every person i've met has things in their life either things they've done or things that have happened to them or things that they've witnessed that they've told nobody about yeah we're all carrying our stuff big stuff little stuff we might have talked ourselves into thinking it was little stuff we're all carrying our stuff and journaling can create a safe space where it's like giving yourself permission to go there you're angry give yourself permission to be angry write it out write that letter to that person like you're sad give yourself permission like give yourself full permission to express what's there for you and that can be the gateway to some feeling because you start writing and expressing your sadness on the paper, you, you create space to activate more of that sadness or grief within you. It's and it's just something you can do on your own, whereas just dropping into a cathartic release, you know, you probably want some support with that. But if somebody's just listening and this is waking stuff up in them and they're like, okay, like that's a really simple way to get a journal. That's yours. You don't have to read it to anyone. You don't have to show it to anyone. You don't have to do anything. It's you and you. But the power in you just opening up that channel of communication with yourself an acknowledgement with yourself is is profound. Well, acknowledgement is the bridge to acceptance, and it's mm. and it's the cornerstone of self love. My journaling practice is one of the most profound forms of journaling for me has been inner child journaling. Yeah. Like anytime yeah. something comes up for me, like actually sitting down and for everybody listening, inner child work is really the idea that for me, at least the way I I, I like to understand it is that every single response or reaction that I have to anything, whether it's an emotion, is actually a younger version of me that has an experience that wasn't fully felt and resolved Mm -hmm. in that moment. So it's stored in my body in the form of that child. And so for me, inner child work has been so huge with journaling because anytime I feel scared or angry or resentful, I actually take on the role of like, all right, if that little boy needed a parent, what would that parent look like? And how can I communicate with that parent? Which is ultimately what you're saying. It's like giving yourself permission. It's like, if I'm really sad as a child, like how would I have wanted my, my parents to have responded to me? Maybe they just mm. allowed me to cry. Maybe yeah. held the space for me to. And, and it, and it, and it, and it, you get better at, sort of that dance with acknowledgement, with acceptance, with, with like, a, mm-hmm. you, you, you learn to have that compassion with yourself. And, and that, that, that truly is a, one of the biggest gifts 
you can give yourself. Man, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like inner child work is definitely, yeah, some of the most important stuff I've done. And yeah, it's always the, when I get to the end of working with someone, I, I just ask like what, what was actually the most, um, like the biggest breakthrough, the most, like the, the most yeah. profound experience you've had. What was the most important? If you can only have one thing that we did, that's 90% of the time, they're like, it's a session where we dive into inner child stuff and then they start being able to work with that. There's a lot of boys in men's bodies yes. running around the world and it's their wounded boys that weren't told that they were good enough just the way they were. And the, the most powerful few words that I offer people is that's fair enough. You're angry, that's fair enough. You're really upset and you want to throw a tantrum, that's fair enough. And it circles back to that presence conversation we started with around being with what is. Whatever's showing up, what we needed at the time was a safe space to feel what we were going through. Yeah. So then it can resolve in our body and then we can move on. But often we get tamed or blamed or shamed. And then so we carry that with us. And then that little child that's angry or whatever, like you say, as soon as there's a trigger from the external environment, it pops up. Yeah. But now the reaction is from a man's body. You know what I mean? So it can lead to all kinds of different. It can show up in violence. It can show up as, as overworking. It can, it, there's so many like real, real implica- like negative implications to having wounded boys in men's bodies. I mean, let's look at the election day today in, in the U.S. I mean, look at our top Man. two candidates. I mean, like it's, oh. it's pretty, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious. Like the, the, really the patriarchy is sort of based in that. And that's why I, I think this work is so important when we can learn to truly be with what is, when we can truly learn to, be the parents we always needed when we can truly learn to have the compassion and hold the space for our own humanness or or like, really, Mm -hmm. I don't know what the right word is, but like, yeah, really like, I mean, like when we allow ourselves to stop be human doings and we actually embrace human being, like we're, we just be like that, that integration is, is so powerful. And, and Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's so, I mean, man, like, Really, I, I I can't even like where I was six months ago with where I'm at now. Like the the change is so fast because it's 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 a felt experience, and when you feel it, it's like your brain, like it's almost like you're retraining your brain to be an amplifier of what yeah. is. Yeah, because that's all it is. Your brain is actually the most powerful amplifier on the planet. Mm. Like, and in the heart i don't know if you've looked at any of the work from heart now yes yeah. yeah 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 in terms of the field that we can actually create and it's like we can't do that and it's it's kind of cool like the science is catching up and all of these throwaway spiritual yeah. very fairy things actually being grounded in hard science now which is um which is i think really contributing to the, the mass collective awakening because there's lots of people like you and me pretty logical, pragmatic guys that, you know, without a, a, a little bit of that, it's, it's hard to lean into this work. Whereas, yeah, yeah this is, yeah, it, it's... Um, I don't know yeah. about you, man. I, I, I kind of like, I mean, I was just looking for answers and I was willing to be wowed for me. And I think that's, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier, like just getting to that breaking point, right? Like sometimes... And, and if not this, then what? 
Right. Like, look around at the world. Like, show me somebody who was thriving and in a connected relate. Like, there just wasn't much of it. I was like, I've got nothing to lose. Like, yeah. Nothing to lose it's, at all. Like, you know, we're not going to die. Like, I it's, think the, I, I, I think there's a certain level of there's that piece, nothing to lose, but then also people not believing that yeah. that promised land that you can have the beautiful, fulfilling relationship and the the success and the work that matters. And you can like, there's that, there's that story yeah. that's driven in society. That's keeping like, it's a broken society. That's playing a broken tape recorder and it's keeping us all trapped in this lie that's created by fear, which only exists in the mind. Like mm-hmm. fear is, 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 is up here. Cause when you, when you when you when you're in your body you're you're not actually afraid you're you're present you're you're present with what is you're you're not emotions thoughts it doesn't they're just here yeah right yeah 100% and yeah and the fear thing it's like again that's our brain doing what it's supposed to do do you mm-hmm. know what i mean evolutionary yeah. serves its purpose it's just recognizing what it is and even fear isn't good bad right or wrong it just is and a certain level of fear it like, isn't a bad thing. Like when you are first driving a car, there's a little bit of fear there. Awesome. You yeah. should have a little bit of fear because that's going to bring you present. Maybe you've got a presentation coming up. Ah, like there's that. a little bit of fear. Like fear is like you need to be here now. This is important. But it's just when fear goes, gets like that part of our brain gets hijacked. So we're always like there's something really important here all of the time. That's when it starts, you know, having negative effects on well, body. as you're saying that I'm, I'm realizing like even if you think about the way fear the role it played 10 20 30,000 years ago saber-toothed tiger coming into the room we had to not worry about anything and just be here now yeah in order to survive but as things have changed so quickly i mean the internet only came out what like 30 years ago Man, like, I mean, like right the early nineties. So like, let's look at how much has changed so quickly. Social dynamics have evolved. I mean, we're like, it's just, everything has changed. So our, our brains haven't really learned to adapt. And now our fear responses are just taking us into the future, taking us into the past. It's actually pulling us out of presence. 100%. Like, right. Like, cause like, that's, and that's why it's, it's so important to, give yourself the permission to feel like, I love you saying that. Like, it's like that permission is, I think the greatest act of self-love. Mm-hmm. Like when you can allow yourself to feel mm. and not, and that's it. Just give yourself the permission. That can yeah. be the, the, the simplest. That's the simplest thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's so profound yeah. though. Yeah. And it's hard. See, that's hard even as just fuck. saying that somebody's <laughs> listening they're like yeah cool story guys like yeah, thanks, thanks so for the help hard. like it's because it's, and it's always going to be scary and even now like i've been doing this work for five years yeah. and even now when something comes up maybe there's a little bit of disconnect in the relationship or something comes up there's still a little bit of resistance mm-hmm. to me going in and actually dropping in and feeling what's there yeah it's like it's not like your ego goes away it's not like you know, dissolving the ego, like that's going to be with you. If anything, your ego just gets more equipped with better knowledge and words to use and it gets sneakier, right? So it's like the resistance is always going to be there. So if you're waiting for it to feel easy or to there to be no resistance, you're going to be waiting forever. 
So it's just getting to the point where, like you say, give yourself that permission, start with something small and call in the help and support that you need. Yes. What you would know, it look like if I was to, to start exploring this stuff and feel safe in it? Like just start asking these questions and people show up. You know, and I found that I used to seek growth. I used to seek it, like go to the things and find it. I'd try to be. And this year, I, I've really kind of shifted the mindset to just allow what is in front of me and what experience is coming up to be the opportunity for growth. It doesn't have to be these big things in life that force you to start. If you're feeling anxious, it could be as simple as, I'm going to let myself feel anxious. I'm going to become intimate with the anxiety. I'm going to ask it questions. I'm going to try and understand it with a journal and, and maybe have this conversation with my inner child. Or like It can be something so simple. It can be mm. something so simple. And it is. Com- community has been so big for me. Yeah. Like Really yeah. kind of seeking other people that are also vulnerably looking for this space. Like that for me mm-hmm. has been so huge. Having these opening up these conversations with, I mean, even us, like right now in this moment, right? Like us being vulnerable mm-hmm. with each other is, is, is part of just building that knowing that we need each other. <laughs> like we yeah. need to feel seen, like feeling seen is like a cornerstone of safety. And, and you can see yourself in beautiful ways, but having people helps. <laughs> A lot. Yeah. And it just it fast tracks things and it's um yeah, it's all kind of dissolving the yeah. story of separation. Yeah. You know? We've got this story that's propagated in our society in every corner, nook and cranny, in every field of separation. I'm separate from you, you're separate from me. We're both separate from everybody else around us, we're separate from nature. And then that if that is the root story. And everything else stems from that. That's what leads to disease. That's what's got us in the mess that we're in. And so what better way to dissolve that story than to actually have a visceral experience of connection. And that's what these spaces can do. I believe that's what psychedelics would do on a, in you having that sense of connection with the universe or, 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 or whatever. But that, and that's the power in it. When I run men's retreats, workshops, whatever it may be, the most powerful thing by far isn't anything I say or do. It's when a man shares a story, I create a space, anybody else struggled with this. Every single hand goes up. Mm, yeah. And then I do that all that every time some and then by, by the end of the, the, the weekend there's been a hundred different examples of these hands going up. And you can't it's very hard to feel alone when you have that kind of experience. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would definitely encourage people to start exploring. But, yeah, this is the work that is best done in community. So definitely vet it, vet it, make sure that it feels good, make sure because there are definitely some spaces that don't do it as well as others. And this is a beautiful segue. I would love to maybe have you describe some of the spaces you create because, uh, I mean, man, I, I, I know we're thousands of miles away right now, but there's a felt sense of safety and presence in the way that you even communicate, which mm-hmm. I know can only come from doing a lot of work. <laughs> like I know the energetics behind, like, you know, it takes 10,000 hours to, what is it? 10,000 yeah. hours to master to yeah, make something yeah. look easy. 
I mean, creating space yeah. is one of those things that looks so easy, but the work that it takes to mm-hmm. embody that level of presence necessary to create a container for others to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And brother, I, I feel it in you. So I would love to maybe have you describe some of the spaces you create for others. What does that look like? And if anybody mm-hmm. wanted to maybe build or be part of some of the communities, the amazing work you're doing, like I would just love for you to share a little bit about all that. Beautiful. Thanks for the space to, to share this, man. My biggest passion is relationships. Like my, my parents split up when I was 17. They had a much bigger impact on me than I recognized at the time. That caused me to sort of look around the world and be like, oh, wow, there aren't that many people thriving in relationship. And so that was kind of been my area of interest where I focused a lot of my work because you can apply this work to any area of life. But that has definitely been my um, where I've been logging my 10,000 hours for sure. And so one of the spaces that I've created with my wife um, has manifested in the Ignite Couples course. So it's a 10-week course and a container that we hold for couples come in and do this kind of work. It's an online space. Do this kind of work together, which Mm. is the more and more I do it, we've had over 200 couples come through that course and every time I'm blown away by the power of two people doing this work together at the same time. Mm. You can have your own personal growth journey, but if you're doing that with your partner, it's like that experience of being seen that we were just talking about before. Doing this work in relationship, it's not one plus one equals two, it's one plus one equals 50. And so that is definitely one of the spaces that is continuing to evolve and that I'm most passionate about and then something new that's been percolating because I, I had my first son six months ago so I've been I'm really passionate about supporting men in the transition into fatherhood I feel like the father role and fathers have kind of been forgotten about whether intentionally or not do you know what I mean that's a whole other conversation yeah. but creating space for men in general but specifically fathers or fathers-to-be men who want it step into that father role, even if it's not for their own kids, I'm going to be creating a container that's an ongoing container that involves men's circles, trainings, masterclasses, embodiment practices, all of that, pretty much everything I've done over the last five, six years into a space. And it's funny, I've done a lot of courses, eight-week courses, 12-week courses, all of these things, but what I've definitely felt from all of the men I've worked with is some longevity. Yeah, there's like those containers, short containers are good for a transformation, but yeah, that longevity. So that's a space that'll be coming in the in, in the coming months. Beautiful, man. Well, I I had a feeling you and I were going to get along really well, and I, I just <laughs> I had a feeling. I I told you I wasn't sure where this conversation was going to go, but I'm really glad and grateful that that you're doing this work and. It's so beautiful that the work evolves as your life evolves. You you started in this work from tension in relationship, and that became the medicine to then allow you to impact others in relationship work. And then you became a father. And then like, you know, like it's it's beautiful. I'm really appreciating actually how wonderfully connected your life is and how it weaves together. It's awesome, man. And I, yeah, I'm just... I'm a fan from the other side of the pond, for sure. (laughs) Thanks, my man. I appreciate that. For sure, for sure. All right, brother. I got one last question for you. Um, In the midst of everything you've done 
everything you're doing and everywhere you're going? How do you stay grounded? Kind of a lot of the stuff we've spoken about rituals. So whether you want to call them habits, routines or whatever, morning ritual and an evening ritual to start and bookend the day is the most important thing for me. What happens in those can evolve and shift and change a little bit, but it always involves movement, always involves breath and some sort of breath work and always involves some sort of introspection or reflection and how that looks, how long I do each one for that evolves. But it's a non-negotiable that it happens. So that would be the first thing. Second thing, sweat. <laughs> sweat sweating daily is, is just under yeah. underrated, especially once you start exploring this work, the emotional stuff, like don't forget the power of sweating and working hard physically to, to resolve a lot of stuff and, and, and keep you grounded. And then the third, time in nature. Mm. So I live in the southwest of Australia, to be in the bush, and so I'm very. I can just step out my back door and be in the bush. But that was by design because I know the power of nature to just bring us back and remind us. I just love the simplicity, like the <laughs> simplicity of the truths in life. Like when you truly allow yourself to come back to the very simple truths. Like I remember. Very, very recently with all the deaths in my family, like one of the biggest mm. kind of truths that kept coming back for me was that one day I'm going to die. And that is one of the most grounding truths because it, it actually makes everything go away. It's like, you're not wreck. Human beings are running from the one thing that you can't run from. Mm-hmm. You want to deny the truth that one day we are going to die. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I'm calling it in, but just even yeah. recognizing the truth allows, <sighs> okay, like this moment, presence it allows mm. you to truly drop back in and yeah it's just so powerful like being in nature you know really like it's some of these it's just the simple things and i'm always astounded by how, how much love and, and how much safety and how much peace you can experience by by acknowledging and really visiting these truths on a, on a regular basis for sure man and i know we're probably wrapping up now but just to, to speak to that acknowledging death that that has been amazing for me as well because i feel like all of our fears if you follow the fear eventually it's like fear of death yeah even like fear of public speaking it's like then i'll be outcast and then if i get outcast our brain recognizes that as dying from back when we were tribal animals so when you can actually confront the fear of death and be with that it kind of does dissolve a lot of the other fears and i feel like what we've seen collectively yeah. In the world, yeah, it's a fear of a virus. No, it's actually an extension of the fear of death, which yeah. as a society we are astoundingly bad at acknowledging. So I feel like, uh, yeah, even even that, <laughs> like sitting with that, and there are practices around that. There are spiritual practices around meditating on that and, and yep. all of that. And and, and it's, um, yeah, it can sound like a real downer, like why would you want to sit around and think about death? But it's like I'm going to die one day all of the petty stuff that was going to be running the show in my head about what would this person think or this or that. It's like, how irrelevant does that feel now? Like, let's, let's go. I found the acknowledgement of death, not the calling in of death. Yeah. Right. Like you don't want to do that, but like the acknowledgement of death creates the focusing agent for, for clarity and for, for truth in life. Like it's like, when you when you acknowledge the fact that you're going to die, it's just the fo- it's the focusing agent. Like it's actually the what would I do today? 
Like, mm. would I actually listen to that? Would I, would I, would I let this fear stop me from living if I knew that today was my last day? Mm. Would, yeah. I, would I like, no, like, and it's just like this. <laughs> and it all becomes amazing. so simple. You're like, oh, wow. I was tussling with that for so long, but it was actually a really obvious what the answer was there. Yeah. Like it acknowledging death helps you appreciate life. Uh, you know what I mean? So and, good and brother. Well, and even just, <laughs> and having, having babies is good for that too. Yeah. Like just witnessing and, and the birth experience. And again, that's right. a whole nother right. podcast, man. We, we did a home birth. So I was there in the pool when my son was born. Oh my gosh. And oh my God, talk about a spiritual experience and an appreciation of life. And, but yeah, when, when that baby is in my arm and my prayer, it's like, it's obvious. Am I going to, yeah, maybes become yes or no really, really quickly when you've got that level of, of clarity. And I'm not saying don't go have a, have a baby just for the clarity's sake, <laughs> but it does when we, when we, when we can touch those things that are so it's innate, you know, it's part of the tapestry of life, birth, death, all of it, but we're so removed from it. I'll never forget the first time I held a baby. I don't know if I've ever been more present in my life. Like, and that's beautifully wrapping up the conversation, mm. you know, these acknowledgement, these truths, these simple truths bring us back to presence, which is in our bodies here in this moment, devoid of fear. There's no fear. It's, there's just, you're here in this moment. What a gift, what a gift to, to, to live in that light. Ah, Tully, I love you, dude. You're the man. Um, <laughs> man, it's mutual, uh, my man. I, I really appreciate, um, yeah, you having me on. I appreciate the, the work that you're doing, getting, getting these types of conversations out there. Because these are the, the sparks, do you know what I mean? This is yeah, how we, yeah. um, Well, the feeling's definitely mutual, brother. Um, and uh, yeah, just keep going. Can't wait to, can't wait to just keep this relationship going. Yeah, I feel like we got a lot more to talk sure. about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. But, uh, but everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host Raj. This is your new friend Tully, and from us, Stay Grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.